Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Royal has an amazing guest in studio, and that is James Monroe. James is a team member with the firm, and I'm getting uh, I'm getting excited. I get to uh, get to know another team member that Royal's going to introduce. So, Royal, good morning, man. How are you? Doing well. I'm excited to have James here today, and uh, we're going to be able to kind of share a little bit about James's story and. Uh, get into uh, something that we, we've talked a little bit about here on the podcast, which is life insurance. James comes over from really a, a life insurance heavy focus, and uh, I thought it would be great to have him share some of his expertise with our listeners today. Sounds good. So James, welcome to the podcast. It's uh, great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, we've uh, been trying to plan this for a month now, I think. <laughs> yeah, our schedules are, are a little sideways, uh, it seems like this month, but uh uh, why don't you start, just kind of tell us, you know, what brought you up here? I know you're a Southern California transplant, like a lot of us. Uh, and uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what brought you up here and what you were doing down South. Yeah. So I uh, started my business career, I guess, in, finan- in uh, personal training and ran into the industry, tripped over it and fell in love with it and uh, married a young lady that's from Medford, Oregon. And we decided we didn't want to raise kids in Southern California. So here we are. That'll do it. That'll do it. Uh, and you were working in the financial services industry down in California. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I got started in the industry in 2006. Uh, like you said, the company I was with was a very life insurance heavy firm. We did get our 663. So we did some mutual funds, some annuity stuff. Uh, but my my heavy focus a lot of the times was the life insurance, explaining the different types of it, uh, how they work, and having a non biased opinion because it doesn't matter. It's what that whatever's best for the for the person that I'm sitting down with. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of life insurance out there. A lot of different strategies. A lot of different ways you can use life insurance as a tool. So James, you. I, I know you have a few kids. You want to tell us about them? Not a few. I have two. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a three-year-old, uh, James Alexander. So he's a different middle name. Uh, he was born in 2016, which brought us up here in the beginning of 2017. And uh, we just had another one six months ago in September, Jacob. And Jacob has decided he doesn't want to sleep anymore at night. So Hence the bags under your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, we've all been there. We have all been there. Um, and now you're also busy with a lot of uh, activities outside the office and outside of family. You do a lot in the community. Can you share a little bit about that as well? Yeah. One of my passions is teaching financial literacy, which led me to you really at the end of the day uh, about a year ago. It's been about a year. Yep. Um, yep. And teaching people how money works and, and showing people the way. Because when I got started in the industry, it was my family that was left behind. It was my parents making great money, but they had $80,000 in revolving debt. They were loaned out like crazy, like everybody else. And I didn't want to live that way. And I wanted to teach other people how to not live that way. So I work with junior achievement quite a bit, uh, teaching students, teaching middle school and high school students how money works and how to get a job and how to brand yourself and things like that. I do a lot of work with U71.5 
trying to help people get into a better place. Uh, and probably one of my biggest passions is coaching wrestling. So I took over as the head coach this year at the local high school. And my goal with wrestling is to teach these students how to become adults because they are the next generation coming into our community. And if nobody's doing it, we're in big trouble. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, will you uh, uh, tell our listeners what U715 is? Because I think they, they went through a rebranding. and uh... Yeah, U715 is a... Uh, nonprofit that used to be called Youth for Christ. And they really focus heavy on trying to help the youth of the community find homes, find jobs, be gainfully employed by the time they're an adult, and really just giving them a platform to be able to get out of their abusive relationship with their parents that they're in and have a safe place to go and, and, and really just, you know, help them start to flourish because again, they're the next generation coming up. So Mm -hmm. very nice. Very nice. With your, with your coaching wrestling, you're coaching at uh, North Medford? No, South Medford. South Medford. Medford. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And uh, how was the record this year? How'd you guys do? I know you're wrapping up the season. Uh, We did okay. I mean, it was a good baseline year. We have 20 freshmen. I only have two seniors graduating this year. We're taking Taken two to state, which I was hoping for more, but you know sometimes the kids on the mat make silly mistakes and is what it is. Um, but we get to go to state, so that's okay. So it sounds like you've got got a team that's loaded for potential next year. Yeah, four years from now we're going to be dangerous. Okay, good, good. <laughs> it's all about patience and you know yeah. putting in the work day by day. Long game, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you you came over and joined us last year, right 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 around this time, right right in the beginning of spring. Yeah. What was it that kind of brought you over to to our office? And uh, uh, I know you were out on your own. You kind of enjoyed uh, just kind of being a, a one man band out there. Uh, so what made you decide to join Oregon Pacific? <clears throat> well, with uh, the other firm that I was with, the goal was to open an office, was to build a team of advisors like you've done here. And I kept hitting roadblocks with the compliance department, with the corporate office. And I was sort of at a point of frustration. Um, You and I built a relationship pretty quickly, you know, two years ago when I moved up here and started networking. Um, I think you were kind of shocked that in the same industry, I wasn't afraid to come sit down with you and talk to you and build a relationship and do that because, you know, our industry could be a little bit cutthroat sometimes. But what really brought me here was I was at a point of frustration. I wasn't really looking. Uh, I was praying for something different, and you had approached me with the with the right idea at the right time and opened a door for me. And uh, funny story, when I was at State last year, I remember talking to one of our wholesalers about you and asking him what I should do. And he goes, I'd go in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what really brought me here was, I think, you know, the integrity of the firm, the the longevity of the firm, and really having the ability to run with somebody in the same direction with the same goals, same values, same morals, same character that I have, and not have to recreate the wheel and have some support. Wonderful. Yeah, it's been great to have you this this past year. And I personally am very excited to see uh, kind of where we take this together and uh, what we can grow here in the Southern Oregon community. So uh, great to have you here. You've, you've been here for a while. You've really brought a, a lot of expertise here to the office with your life insurance background. And I thought, what better person to uh, come in and kind of talk about the different types of life insurance? We've kind of touched on it briefly as part of like kind of the overall financial planning, but there are a lot of different types of life insurance out there. I think there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of misunderstanding about the ways life insurance can be used. So uh, what's kind of your initial thought when you think about life insurance? 
So my first goal always is to get the amount of coverage necessary for uh, a client and being independent, um, unlike some other companies that are captive agencies, we don't have a quota on types of policies we have to write. Uh, we don't have a quota on how many policies we have to write. So <laughs> it makes it kind of nice. And I've always been taught to use what I call the dime method to where we're going through their needs. So it's not just their income times 10. It's I'm looking at their debt. So what's their debt load between auto debt, uh, even some student loan debt that maybe somebody co-signed on, credit card debt, medical debt, things like that. How much of that do we need to cover? God forbid something happened to them early. The next thing I look at is their mortgage, if they have a mortgage or replacement of rent. How much rent do we need to replace or do we want to pay off that house if something happened? Would the spouse still want to stay there if something happened to their spouse? Then I look at education for the kids. Education is a big thing and education is not just university. Education could be a trade school. Education could be you know, getting some licenses. It could be starting a business if that's where the child wants to go. And with mine being three years and six months old, I don't know what they want to do but I'm not going to push them to go get a degree that they don't need, like an art degree or something like that, right? <laughs> and then the last part I look at is if all that stuff's covered, how much income do we, do we need to replace per month and for how long? Do you want to go back to work in five years, 10 years, 15 years? Do you never want to have to go back to work again? And then it's finding the right coverage. It's finding the right amount of coverage. And that's, I think, the biggest key thing. And, you know, the stigma or some of the misinformation that I think that you're talking about, I've heard some things on, you know, the talking heads on TV talk about term and whole life and that's it. And that's not absolutely not true. Term is a big part of a life insurance planning. And, and for our listeners, what can you kind of define term and whole life and yes. talk about that? Yeah, I will. I will definitely. Term is a for a period of time, so 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and it should be the biggest bulk of your life insurance need because it's gonna be at the lowest cost. I always equate it to renting. If you went to go rent a house, um, you you don't have to put down a down payment, so the cost up front's gonna be very low. Um, however, cost if you kept the policy past the term is gonna get quite expensive. So for most families that I sit down with, the term coverage is for the period of time that their children are in the house and still dependent on them. So, so that's interesting. We've, we've got term insurance covering the family for kind of the, while the kids are at home early on in their careers, you know, uh, buying quite a bit of, bit of a death benefit there mm -hmm. to protect someone. So that's kind of a temporary need uh, for the term insurance. What might be a, a permanent need? Sure. A permanent need uh, with a lot of life insurance policies now, you can get a long-term care feature on the policy. So a permanent need could equate to that. Um, another permanent need, for example, uh, I know a family that the husband has a million dollars in his retirement plan and the wife has stayed home her entire life. So there's going to be a taxable consequence as she starts to take money. So the permanent need could be to combat the taxes that she's going to have to pay as she draws the income out to keep her income high enough for her to live, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, another permanent need might be something where they want to leave something to a charity or they want to leave something to a nonprofit that they really care about where they could put some money in and and not have to worry about it or they want to leave something to their grandkids. Mm -hmm. and, and so so when we're talking about uh, kind of covering a permanent need, are you referring to whole life or kind of what are the other other things out there that you can use to protect for a permanent need? Sure. There's uh, five basic different types of permanent policies. Whole life is definitely one of them. 
Whole Life tends to be a little bit more expensive sometimes than some of the other ones. Then you have Universal Life, and there's four different types of Universal Life. You oh, have wow. a <laughs> you have a straight Universal Life that is a fixed premium for basically ever. Uh, you have adjustable premium Universal Life, so you could overfund it to where you could sort of pay off your insurance early. Um, and if you're going to use it for some sort of a savings vehicle, because there is a savings component within it that isn't always right for everybody, but there is a component inside of it. You have indexed universal life and a variable universal life that you could do. It's just kind of dependent on the cost and what they wanted to do and sort of the functions of it. It's kind of like if you went to a used car lot, you know, you traveled 100 miles a day for work, you're probably not going to buy that big giant pickup truck with the V8. You're probably <laughs> well, you, buy might. The Pri- oh, you, you might. might. There's a lot right? of there's a lot of pickup trucks on the uh, freeway here. So, but if they had Priuses and they had the pickup trucks and they had the Honda Civics and they had all that stuff, then that salesperson can find the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is what I've always been taught to do is to find the right fit for the client, and um, it's worked out. I mean, I've delivered not all that I've sold, but I've delivered 18 death claims in 15 years. And uh, it's impactful and powerful when you bring a check to somebody upon the passing of their loved one. Mm-hmm. And can you talk about that uh, that check and the nature of life insurance? You know, is is that a taxable event for the beneficiary? Sure. Yeah, uh, life insurance income tax wise, there is no income tax. It can be added onto an estate tax, as you know. Again, that's part of the planning process, which is why you know I, I've always enjoyed being fully licensed in a sense to where I can help them with all that. And as far as the nature of the check, it's when when I deliver a, a benefit, um, I tell the client, you know, I could do one of three things for you. I can hand you the check, walk away, you'll never see me again, and that's up to you. I could bring you a check, help you pay off some bills, and then if you don't want to do anything else, I'm okay with that too. Or I could help you design your life the way that you want to and make sure that you never run out of money, make sure you always have an income, make sure your bills are always paid, and be that person to walk you through that process. Which one of the three would you like me to do? Right, right. Well, I think that third option is all dependent on how big of a check they're receiving uh, and how well they you know, purchase that life insurance up front. I mean, I think that's that's a mistake as we're building financial plans for people is right. people say, oh, I've got $50,000 through my employer. I have life insurance. That should cover everything. So, James, you have a lot of experience with delivering death claims. And, and you said you, you even uh, delivered some death claims on policies that you didn't write. So it sounds like um, there, there's a lot of service involved there. Can you just maybe expound on that a little bit? And, and uh, you know, why were you delivering death claims on policies that maybe you weren't uh, involved with in the beginning? Yeah, I, from the beginning of my career, I've always wanted to be that trusted advisor for my clients. I wanted to be the person they sort of called for everything. And some of my clients would have an aunt or uncle or a parent or loved one or friend or something like that that had passed away. And their agent took sent them the 800 number for the life insurance company, basically, to help them with the process. And uh, <laughs> you know as well as I do, being in the industry as long as we have, that upon death, I mean, it's it's traumatic. It's emotional. It's They need somebody to help them walk them through that process. So a lot of times it was a referral from somebody. Hey, uh, you know, my brother-in-law just passed away and uh, my sister needs help. 
getting through the process and walking them through that process. And, you know, there is a process. Step number one is to get the death certificate and to know how to get it from the county and know what to tell the funeral home that you need and how many of them to get. Because most people think, oh, I just need one or two. No, you need like 10 or 15 of them for everything that you're going to do with bank accounts and mortgages and debt and stuff like that. And then step two is to fill out the paperwork. And a lot of companies, if you don't fill out the paperwork properly, if you miss a box, it'll hold up you getting your check for 30 or for 30 days. It'll it'll hold the time and the life insurance company isn't going to call you and go, hey, um, I know we owe you half a million dollars, but you missed a box. They're just going to wait for you to call or they're going to send you a letter in a couple of weeks. So being that advocate for people is really what has, you know, driven me in this industry to, to really help people and be that service advisor for folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure you have uh, some great stories about uh, how life insurance has, has kind of changed people's lives and, uh, you know, after something uh, as devastating as losing a loved one, can you maybe talk about some of those success stories? Yeah. So my very first claim that I delivered was, uh, <clears throat> you know, in the previous company, we would do these practice appointments or what we called field training appointments where we would take somebody with us out in the field and, you know, sit down with one of our friends and family, and then they would talk about what we're doing for the purpose of my quote fingers are up referrals, but really it was a sales tactic. What happened was we sat down with a friend of mine that I've known for 15 years. They owned a BMX track down in California, and he was sort of reluctant to sit down with me, and he probably told me no about 20 times, and then they finally let me in. And it was because he was changing jobs and he needed to roll some money over, and I asked him, I said, hey, by the way, do you have life insurance? And he said, yeah. So he brought me a $100,000 whole life policy that um, was quite expensive that he had gotten about 15 years before that. And I was able to take that $100,000, turn it into $500,000 for the same cost. And uh, about two years after that, he had a major heart attack at 54 years old and passed away. Wow. And the wife never really worked. She always stayed home, took care of the kids, took care of the house. Uh, but because of me and what I was doing and my passion behind it, and this is, I think, really where the industry hit my heart, she still doesn't have to work if she wants to. We were able to pay off the house. We were able to sell a rental property. We were able to put some money away and save it for her, and we're planning for Social Security when she's able to take it and, and do all that stuff for her. So I think that was the first success story, I guess, when – uh, you sit down with somebody who's underinsured and go through the process and find out what they really need and then tell them, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We could actually get this done for you. And then I think I think another one that's really close to home, my father, my, my biological father was my first life insurance sale as soon as I got my license. And we <laughs> sold him a $50,000 index universal life policy because, you know, he wanted to support me. My dad never really... Uh, made a lot of money. He didn't own a home, so there wasn't a big giant need for insurance. And my dad passed away uh, in November of 2018. Mm. That $50,000 policy from 13 years ago was still in place. And, you know, I, I didn't realize, but cremating somebody's $5,000. And my brother and my sister, they don't have any money. They don't, you know, I mean, they work hard and but they, they don't make a lot of money. His wife uh, down in, he was down in Vegas, she didn't have money to pay for it. So it was sort of up to me and up to me to pay for it. And thankfully, A, I'm a good steward of my money, so I had it to be able to pay for it. But then B, that policy was in place to be able to help pay pay that back for myself. But then I was also able to give my brother and my sister um, some money, probably more money than they've ever had in a lump sum, to help them with their family and stuff like that. So, 
Wow. Well, I'm very sorry about your dad. And, Thank you. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the, the just a, I think a few examples that you have about how what you do has really kind of changed people's lives for the better. Yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about term and, and permanent insurance and, and what that looks like. What should our, some of our listeners be thinking of when they think about, do I have enough coverage? Is this something I need to kind of sit down, you know, with you or, or maybe their, their uh, financial professional? Kind of take a look at to say, you know, am I really covered enough? How, how did I determine that this was enough or too much? Sure. I always lead with the question, life insurance is a tool or a vehicle just like a car is. Uh, I drive a pickup truck because I ride a dirt bike and I want to be able to put my dirt bike in the back of the pickup truck. When I lived in California, I drove a car that was, you know, economical as far as fuel. There's different needs for different things. So I always ask them, what do you want it to do? What do you want it to accomplish? Not everybody needs the big pickup truck. Not everybody needs the big policy. And I go through that dime method with them. But what they should really be looking for is if your ability to no longer make money goes away, do you have enough coverage to live the lifestyle that you want to or that you're accustomed to? Insurance is uh, defined as not making you be in a better place, but replacing what you have. If you have a Honda Civic and you crash your car, they're not going to replace it with a Maserati. They're going to replace it with another Honda Civic. How much coverage do you need? Depends on what you want it to do. Uh, I spoke to a gentleman the other day and went through the the whole thing and, and he needed $200,000 in life insurance. And he's in his mid-40s, has a child, but doesn't have a lot of debt load and has some savings to be able to combat some of that. And, you know, that's just kind of what they needed. So that's what they got. Um, and then I've sat down with some folks that, you know, like you said, they have $50,000 at work. And when I go through the math, and it's just simple math, um, they needed a million dollars. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, I, I didn't realize I needed that much. Or they go, oh, I think that's too much. And I go, okay, so which one of these mathematical formulas do you want me to adjust? Because this is what you told me that you needed. So it's really walking through the process of doing it. A lot of life insurance agents all over the country will take your income and multiply it by 10. Sometimes that could be too much. Mm -hmm. sometimes, it could, sometimes it could be not enough. It's really what do you want the vehicle to do for you? And then allow the agent to factor in the cost for you based off what you wanted to do. That's their job. Excellent. Excellent. So if someone's coming in to sit down with you, what, what do they need to bring in when it comes to having you do a review of their life insurance? The best thing for them to bring in, honestly, is their policies. Bring their policies with them. I can glance through them. I, I, I have enough experience uh, to be able to look through a policy and, and know where the fine print is or know where the the uh, stipulations are on the policies because I've seen enough of them over the last 14 years. So, But at, at least bringing the amount, of, the amount of insurance they have along with what they're paying per month. Very nice. So and maybe, then, so and then when they purchased and, it too, I mean, you yeah. know, that's a big deal, especially with term. If you're nine years into a 10-year term, um, that term is going to end in a year. You should probably look at reviewing your insurance if you still have a need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, James, I know you do more than just life insurance and, and other types of insurance, as well as mutual funds and annuities, uh, you know, handling people's investments for them. Can you talk a little bit, bit about kind of the other insurances that you handle that aren't necessarily life insurance? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest needs that I've found that people don't plan for is a long-term care. Eventually, we're going to have to be taking care of a, 
taken care of. Not all of us are going to pass away quickly. Some of us are going to have to have some sort of care. Uh, Long-term care insurance, if you're younger, if you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, it's a lot less expensive than if you're in your 60s and 70s. And it's a way to be able to assure yourself that you're going to have the money to be able to care for yourself, whether you go into a retirement home or whether you have somebody come into your home or whether you have a family member come help you. There's still going to be costs involved in that. And if they have to quit a job, you're going to have to help them pay their bills too, right? Another big one that I see that I think is... uh, prevalent is disability insurance. If you broke an ankle, broke a leg, broke an arm, got in a car accident and you couldn't work for 90 days, how do you pay your bills? Most people, not just in the Valley, but I think around the country are within about two or three paychecks of being delinquent on their rent or on their mortgage. And you have to be able to to, to combat your your income. And you can do that through a disability type of a policy. Now there's sort of some hybrid policies also where within a life insurance policy, you could add some of the long-term care type features to it. Um, You could do traditional long-term care with some life insurance policies. And the neat thing about that is that it keeps the cost down for the consumer. So instead of paying, say, $800 a month for what I would call a Mercedes-Benz type of a long-term care policy, you could pay $400 a month for a life insurance policy with a long-term care component on it. So really being able to help them, A, save costs today, but be able to take care of themselves later on. Very nice. And that's something you evaluate with each client as you sit down with them. You're not just kind of looking at just the life insurance part of it, but kind of all the pieces of their financial plan. Right. And I mean, the other thing too, is that um, I never have a canned idea that I'm going to give somebody because I'm non-captive. So I have a hundred companies I can go to when it comes to the life insurance and not all of them are the right fit for anybody. Right. Right. Well, wonderful. Well, James, it's great to have you here in the office. It's great to have you here on the Life by Design podcast. I want to thank you. Is Is there anything else our listeners should know? Uh, just hopefully we win state this weekend. Our guys win. <laughs> <laughs> go, go south. Go south. <laughs> well, perfect. All right, Eric, I'll turn it back over to you. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. I was, I was thrilled to meet James. James, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if this wrestling weekend is going to help with the bags under your eyes, but uh, I'm telling you that uh, the beauty of podcasts is that there is no video. So You'll be fine. Amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> All right, Royal, thanks for bringing James in to uh, to introduce him to the entire audience. Audience members, if you're interested in reaching out and having a chat with James, James, I'm going to put you on the spot. What number do they call to reach you? Uh, they can call the office at 541-772-1116, or I'm a crazy person, and I'll give them my cell phone at 541-708-3688. Oh, man, that's dangerous. Good stuff, though. All right, James, thank you so much for being a great guest on the show. And Royal, thanks again for bringing him in. And audience, once again to you, thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. 
individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.